Welcome to The Power of Care, a podcast that shares insights, trends, and developments in the senior care ecosystem with a focus on technology and innovation. My name is Mark McGrand, Director of Business Development at Viar, a company that specializes in advanced, contactless, and private wellness technology. Each episode, I will be discussing the rapidly changing elderly care market with experts from the sector, including community operators, technology providers, caregivers, and senior living real estate developers. I hope this podcast brings you valuable content and information on the sector. And now for our guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Power of Care podcast. Today, I'd like to welcome Lila Fair, Director of Senior Services at Fairview Haven with us. Lila, thank you for uh, for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. So um, I'll let you give a little bit of background um, on, on kind of your experience there, your current role, a little bit maybe about uh, your community. And I'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation and uh, talking about some of these topics with you. But before I start with my rambling, why don't you, why don't you go ahead? Okay. Um, I am a nurse. So I'm an RN and I've been with Fairview Haven actually for, for years um, as a CNA and then a nurse. Um, I was a director of nursing in the skilled um, side of the, the operation for about five and a half years. Um, and now I'm the director of senior services. So I manage the, we have a memory care uh, that's assisted living and a home care business. So I manage those two um, parts of the organization. So. Okay, so you're handling both the kind of on-site care as well as off. Are you guys actually sending people to these homes or? Yeah, yeah, we have a home care business um, and I have an administrative assistant. She does all of the day-to-day with the home care. Um, and then I'm also the director actually at the memory um, it's just it's a 22 bed uh, uh, home, and so I'm I I'm the director of that as well. Got you. Wow. Okay. This is perfect. Um, I think you know what I kind of wanted to dive into a little bit with you here today, which is us talking a little about kind of the the business side of the industry. You know, from your point of view, um, when I hear you know director of senior services, director of nursing, you know, I always kind of split the two in my head as you have these. Um, you know, the, they always start with the, the two wolves inside of you, right? Um, kind of that are battling it out where you have this, this business side of the community where at the end of the day, you know, we, you do need to make money. But at the same time, we're a care-focused industry. It's about, take, it's, it's about providing that care, making sure that people do have better lives um, and, you know, it, and providing that kind of that hosp- hospitality to it all. Um, you know, and, and how, do you, how do you balance the two? it seems like you have a large spectrum that you're taking care of today. I mean, how does that kind of differ between those, those different areas? Okay. Um, so first of all, I'm fortunate enough to work for a nonprofit. And so that helps a lot because the expectations are, are to not make money. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of how we are. And um, we are, I'm also fortunate because we have a community and, and um, a faith-based um, organization where, you know, our expenses are supplemented, um, a lot. And so the one thing I, and, and even with all of that, 
um, it's challenging. Like it's, it's very challenging to, you know, pay enough wages to give the quality of care, to get the supplies you need to, you know, for, um, and to meet all of those needs. I, I cannot imagine, um, and, and I have my own personal, uh, feelings or, or thoughts on for-profit in elder care, it doesn't feel like it fits. You know, it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like the two should actually, um, you know, be a thing. <laughs> uh, and, and maybe it speaks to the, the broader culture of, of how we care for, for the elderly in the United States, you know. So yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, I, I imagine so, especially as you're trying to thread the needle of providing that additional care and, and taking it to a different level. But being a not-for-profit for means that there are going to be limitations to that. And when it comes to the financial side, um, you're, you're probably not having as much money flow in, but you know, I guess you don't have the pressure of, well, we have to you know, make money and have a return on everything that we put in place. If you're going down that road, then how are you making decisions about what that you, what you can bring in versus what you can't? So our, you know, we're very vision oriented here. And our, our you know, our goal is to care for people the, uh, to the best of our abilities. So um, one of our former administrators always said, um, make it good for people. And that, that's really kind of keeping it very simple. So like we do things... We do things in our organization very intentionally to separate the finances from the care, to make sure that our goal is care. For example, um, when we have a daily rate, and I'm talking about our skill care, well, actually all of them, mm-hmm. we have a daily rate based on you know, your care needs. So we assess, do a daily rate. But in that daily rate is everything. Like we do not, we do not charge extra. If you have a wound and you need wound care, that's part of your care. If you have, um, you know, um, incontinence and you need extra things, uh, we have a storeroom in the back that's stocked with all the personal care items, the, you know, toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorant, all of those things. So, and they're all, and our staff has no idea what it costs to take care of of our residents. And so their, you know, our message to our staff is to give them what they need, take care of them. And we worry about how do we pay for that? It's not a great business model. It's not like, so, so yeah, it's a challenge for our administrator to go back to the board of directors and say, "Uh, okay. And, you know, same with, you know, building upgrades and, and all of those things. It's a challenge, but I think it's worth it because, you know, elder are, again, going back to the culture of elder care, they deserve it. They deserve the honor and the respect of, uh, you know, of being cared for uh, without worrying about how are we going to pay for this? Like they've given us everything. Um, You know, they, they are, you know, we are who we are because of them. So it's time for us to give back to them and by separating, you know, having a business model that says, Caregivers, you worry about the care. The nurses, you worry about the care that they need. We'll worry about how do we pay for it. I like that. I like the the make it good for people. And I think that's it's a simple rule. You know, when you're looking at this person, you shouldn't be looking at um, 
you know, financial opportunity, you should be looking at somebody that you say, how do I make this person's life better? And how can we expand that care? And and I, I would disagree with one point. I actually think that is a good business model. I know you go to a lot of businesses and you find out, you know, usually their biggest hangup is that they're so focused on, you know, saving a dime, they lose a dollar. You know, they, they're just, they're, they're, they forget at the end of the day, you know, the customer side of it, they forget the person that they're looking after and then they're not building value for, for what they're providing. So I think that's actually a great model. I like the idea too, of not burdening your staff with a thought process of, you know, if I take an extra paper towel, I need to be thinking twice, you know, about, about the hay penny I just spent, you know, that that's not their burden. That's, I like that you guys from administrative side kind of take that on and say, you know, look, we'll make it work take care of the people, make sure they're going after it. I'm sure that helps your staff too. I'm sure from a, from a staff side, that probably helps the turnover and different things because they're not, again, being burdened with this idea of, I also have to be, you know, uh, a caring accountant. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and I think too, um, by doing it this way, they, they have what they need all the time. We hear horror stories of, you know, of, you know, I used to work at a facility and they didn't have the washcloths and the soap and the things we need just to take care of them. Um, and so it alleviates all that. It just, you, you, you know, and I think what's the point of being in this type of business um, if you can't do that if you can't just look at them as people and care for them as people I don't understand I mean I guess you could do it um you know as an investment to make money but that's not no No, I I think that's that's fantastic it's a great approach that you guys have to now when you do go to the board and you're going to have conversations with them or you're going to go to whoever that higher up maybe that that's going to be the decision maker about it you know if you had advice for you know someone that's coming into your position, if you, if you're going to pass the baton or talk to somebody else from another facility and say, look, you are going to have to have that conversation at some point, you know, it's going to come up, you know, is there any advice that you would give them for when they're talking to those people that when they're going to have that conversation? You know, I think I, I, it's hard for me to envision any other, um, situation than the one I'm in. And, and I would never work for a place. I I truly wouldn't, I would not work for a place. In fact, that was my first question when I took the job. Okay. Are we more worried about resident care or are we more worried about the budget? Which one? Because it can't, in, in this industry, you cannot you know, I, I'm either going to buy in that this is a for-profit and that's going to be my goal, or I'm going to buy in on, on, on resident care. The way the industry is set up business-wise, if you think about this, is you're trying to uh, give 24-hour care oversight to people uh, that may or may not be ill, um, and the only income that you're getting the, you know, far and above, it's going to be private pay. States give way less assistance than they need for Medicaid. Um, Medicare only pays post hospitalization. 
for a very short period of time. So we're talking the bulk of our income has to be people paying for their own stay. And we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars a month. So, and they have no income coming in. So pretty much they're spending out their life's, you know, savings. Um, it makes for a very challenging uh, industry to be in. So, uh, you know, I, I think the bigger the bigger picture of why it's a it's a challenging business model and why I said I don't understand how you can make money off of you know people that really don't have a lot of money. There's it's just there's not there's not a great you know hospitals tend to get a lot from Medicare and insurance companies insurance companies aren't paying very well for you know skilled which is a whole other story. <laughs> insurance. No, but lo- let's. So. I mean, it's a little bit. Let, let's go down that road. Let, let's talk okay. a little bit. So when I because I don't know a ton about it. So when I when I hear you know. Medicare is paying for something or insurance is paying for something. I, I kind of hear this big, big generic. No, they're just paying, they're just paying for care. And I, I group that all into one, but it sounds like from your side, they're actually paying, they're paying for very specific things. I mean, oh, sure. what are the things that they are paying for? And, and what do you think they should include in that bucket? Okay. So Medicaid is for people that have just don't have the resources to pay for the care that they need. That's yep. the state's pay that. Medicare is, um, you know, over 65, but you have in, in the long-term care industry, it's not like they say, oh, you need long-term care. Okay. We'll pay everything. No, you have to be acutely ill and you can only get a certain number of days. So that's kind of like a, if you get sick and you need rehab, then you go to the nursing home. That's all Medicare pays for. Um, long-term care insurance needs to um, be updated. They, they need to update their system of payment because uh, what they've been selling does say, okay, we'll pay a hundred bucks a day, let's say for a stay, you need to qualify in all these hoops and, and things. And then we'll pay hundred dollars a day, which it costs more like 225, 250 um, to actually live there uh, per day. But the, the problem is, is that they, they all, seem to be willing to pay for a skilled nursing home stay, but very few, like you have to, you know, prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you need help in assisted living. Assisted living is much less regulated. And so it's much less costly to live in assisted living. So we can provide much better care um, for much cheaper daily rate than in a skilled nursing facility, simply because of all of the regulations. But insurance companies are not wanting to pay for assisted living, nor are they wanting to pay for home care. It's like you have to prove that you're really, really, really sick for them to pay. So what we have is we have people moving into the skilled facility because their insurance will pay for it. So they will pay a portion of their skilled stay, but they won't pay anything in assisted living. So it's it's really difficult. It's hard on industry and it's not elder focused care. They should like be a, able to stay in their home. And it sounds like a waste of resources at the end of the day, because we have something where basically I'm trying to check the boxes 
so that now I I can on paper belong in skilled, even though I'm not really at a point where I need skilled, where I mean, I could probably be somewhere like in assisted still or even in home care taking care of me, but that's not going to get paid for. And I got to get it paid for. Right. So for example, in assisted living, um, we have nurses 24 hours a day that can administer medications. We have caregivers that can do all the personal cares that you need in assisted living. Okay. And most people in the skilled also need those two things. So um, I often say people should actually have to qualify for, to be able to live in a skilled nursing facility because it's so highly regulated. Um, But in, uh, so, so you can, have the same types of care and have the same types of needs, but insurance will pay for one, but not the other. And, and it's just something they're going to need to look at. And as a culture and as like, like for you and I, when we go to look for insurance policies for long-term care, we need to start looking at, Hey, no, I need them to pay for home care because that's going to um, re- preserve my resources. I need to get, um, be able to extend how long I can live in my home and then extend how long I need to live in assisted living. And then the very shortest and most expensive place to live um, or stay should be the skilled nursing facilities. So right now we have people living in skilled nursing homes for years and years and years um, when they could have been living in assisted living or in their home for a much longer time, which kind of you know, circles all this back to what do we need to do to be able to keep people in their home longer? Like that's, to me, a a main focus is, okay, we have to back this whole train up and keep people in their home and, and use now technology to be able to do that and reduce the amount of, um, hands-on, human care, although you need that human interaction. I understand that part too, but you know, to, to the best of our, our ability. Gotcha. Cause what is the, what, what's the difference in cost? It sounds like, you know, these numbers. So I'm going to ask them um, if you don't just tell me, but when it comes to cost of home care daily, assisted daily, skilled nurse nursing daily, what's the, what are the costs of those three on a daily basis? So you know, if, if I took a caregiver and I put her in home care for 24 hours a day, it would be much, much, much more expensive than putting her in a, a skilled facility for 24 hours a day. And the reason is, is and this is why um, the institutional type setting we have for elder care right now works because it's more efficient. I can take care of eight people during the same amount of time. I don't have to have one person person, fully dedicated to you. You would think that it would be cheaper, but the problem is that, and and, and I listened to your podcast with Andy yesterday, and you guys touched on a very, very good point. The challenge with healthcare is that everybody's different. So we're not like selling an object. We're not, you know, the industry is not about a vehicle or about something else. It's about human beings in all their differences. So no, you know, no two people are alike in healthcare, which makes it both rewarding and challenging. But Mm -hmm. in home care, you know, you might be able to only, to be able to continue to live in your home um, with six hours a week. 
of somebody coming in and helping you with your shower, preparing meals ahead of time, um, doing your you know laundry and making your bed. And those are the challenging things for me. So therefore I can get by with, you know, I don't know, maybe 500, $600 a month. But if I have to move into assisted living because those are the things I need help with, now I'm talking about, you know, anywhere between $2,500 and $4,000 a month, you know, and, and those are the total ballpark. I'm sorry, but they're, you know, you're getting the picture. No, that's, it, there's now, such a difference in care. Gotcha. Yeah, there is. But now let's say that I don't have an assisted living bed. I don't have a place to be, but I, and I don't have home care. So let's say those options don't exist or, you know, I, I don't know about them, but now let's say that, you know, insurance will pay for skilled. So I'll go to skilled and that if I don't have insurance, we're talking eight, $9,000, you know, for, for the month, maybe more depending on your level of care, you know, how much help that you need. So I think promoting uh, that people can stay in the most efficient place that they need to be, you know, and, and honor and preserve their finances and Let's, make the system work for them, you know, in that way, rather than just, you know, um, assuming our culture has just assumed that when mom and dad get old, they're going to a nursing home. And I think that that totally needs to change. Well, I think a big way. part of that's, I think a big part of that also comes down to, you know, when you're growing up and you're not thinking about those things, we categorize everything in our minds as nursing home. Yeah. We don't, yes. we don't draw those distinctions. We don't even know what those distinctions are. Yeah. We might know the difference between home care and nursing home, but the levels of communities is not something that's clearly yes. defined kind of until you're in the moment. And also, I think it sounds like the, the culture of it or the way that it's being done today is I have a choice between somewhere between $2,500 and $5,000 a month coming out of my pocket or eight to $12,000 a month coming out of my insurance company's pocket. You know, I don't look at the cost. The cost to me is that $2,500 or zero because the $8,000, you know, I'd be being paid for by insurance or by Medicare today. So it sounds like I gotta, you know, we talked gotta a lot. Stop about here for a minute. I got to right, no, interrupt go. you. This right there. Dive in. I, I just want to point out that insurance, that, that is a false statement. Insurance will not pay the $8,000. Oh, the insurance will pay maybe, oh, no, no, no. They maybe will pay for $3,000, you know, maybe $100 okay. a day. So they're not, so, so you still are going to pay that, you know, extra $5,000 because insurance will only pay for 3000 but you know but i get a higher level of care <laughs> you you get a you're you're absolutely right you do get a higher level of care um okay. depending on you know the the service offerings and then the assisted living too yeah okay that's what i was trying to understand why would i want to why would i want to make that leap to skilled as opposed to staying in assisted okay so every I believe that most states define assisted living differently and, or have different, you know, qualifications in the state of Illinois. That's all I can speak to. Um, there's certain things um, that disqualify you for living in assisted living. Um, 
you know, you can't have total assist of two different what we call assistance of daily living, walking, eating, showering, things like that. So you have to like um, really need a lot of extra care. Um, a stage two pressure, daily wound, things like that. Um, uh, like uh, insulin, you know, certain types of insulin, you know, ways you're doing insulin, um, orders for insulin. So there's, there's, there's specific things that disqualify you from assisted living. And if you, if I, if we looked at um, all of the residents and if, if everybody was like the state of Illinois, and we looked at all of the differences in our um, skilled nursing facility, what we found is that approximately 30% of the people that were living in our skilled facility needed to be there. The other 70% could be in assisted living. So, and, and I think it go, it, it truly, you know, goes back to a combination of um, are the right services there for what, what I need. So again, everybody's different. If I have dementia and I wander, you know, I can still walk and I wander. Okay. Now we need to focus on that. That's, that can, we can totally handle that in assisted living. Um, but if I have, um, you know, brittle diabetes and, and we really need to be watching my, you know, um, blood sugars and things like that. Okay, we need heavier overcare. If I need therapy, you know, um, for, uh, you know, five, four or five days a week, I, I need to rehab on therapy, that's gonna be a skill. If I have a wound that needs daily treatments and oversights, that's gonna be skilled. So, I just want to hear this is a pretty significant number. So if you guys, you guys took a look at your communities and you're, you're skilled and when looking at it, 30% of the people actually did need to be in skilled and 70% by the, by the books could have been an assisted. So <laughs> what was the main driver? Was it, is it personal choice? Is it that the, the residents and their families, they're the ones making decisions and saying, no, I, I want to be in the skilled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, um, in, in our case, we were not, um, and we probably still don't have enough assisted living. We weren't um, giving services that, that we could be giving. Okay, so we just, they don't, we do not have the beds for assisted living. Uh, our building, which is honestly still common, was built in 1965. And, you know, just like every other nursing home with the long hallways and, you know, central nurses station and things like that. Um, so we had that building. That's what we have in long term care. If you think about it and you can pretty much as you drive through towns, you can pick out what, what's a nursing home because yep. it looks like a facility. It looks like an institution. And that's what we have. So that's where people go. Um, now we are starting to see a lot more assisted livings pop up and, and, you know, people are extending their stays, giving more call it, uh, more care in assisted living. So uh, part of it's, we're just, um, you know, that's part of, of the American culture is, you know, uh, what we have for nursing homes, but um, I'm sorry, I think I, oh, you were wondering why we did that, why it is that no, no, no. way. And yeah, why are, who's making decision to, who's making the decision to move? Yeah. So if I've, if I've got 70% yeah. of these people shouldn't have been there, was it 
family and resident driven and they said, no, 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 I want to be in that one, not this one? Or was it mistakes by the staff where they're going through and they're saying they're graduating people that shouldn't have graduated? Which which one of those? I, I would I would say most of it is staff um, saying oh oh you want to come live here okay go ahead and live here instead of saying yeah you really should be in an assisted living we also home care is new to us so our focus has shifted to to now where it's like okay now we're going to try to keep you in your home then we're going to try to you know graduate you to assisted living and then. Um, but then there's also the people that are like, no, I just sold my home and everything in it. I want to go one place and not move again. So they'd rather go and, and pay and money's not an issue. They want to live in the nursing home so they don't ever have to move again. And then there's the insurance that where, well, my insurance pays for skill, but it won't pay for the assisted living. And the difference might be, you know, between the two, a thousand bucks a month. And but I'll save a thousand dollars a month and go into a skill care, which is much, you know, um, more expensive. Than, than the assisted living. Okay, so it's it's basically those three pillars. It, it, let's just say the first one is, you know, sometimes um, it is the staff sending people over and saying, hey, you should move. You know, they're, they're making more of a, a subjective call, which should be more, more objective. Yeah. It should be, you know, looking at and saying, hey, based off these activities and what we see and where you are, you know, you should be here and you should not. You should be able to draw that line. The second one is maybe personal choice where someone says, mm-hmm. no, I, look, I just want to make that move because um, they mm-hmm. would rather just take that step forward. Um, even if they, you know, it's possible they may never need to, but they're just going to do it because they, they just want to. Um, mm-hmm. And then third might be a cost side. If, if, if they have the insurance that, you know, covers more of it, they might be able to, it might be, it may be less expensive for them to go to, out-of-pocket costs to go to skill than it is to stay where they are. Those are the kind of three main reasons. Correct. Okay. So when we're looking at those, okay. And that's, I mean, that, those are some heavy challenges. I think some of those things could probably be addressed. I'm sure every community out there is looking around um, and trying to say, what can we do about this? Because if you're looking at your staff, you probably want to dive in a little bit further, but I find it really challenging when I'm, when I'm, talking to staff and things like that, or I could imagine it being challenging to try to put things in there that are going to be objective decisions. Yeah. Because when you are working with a person on an individual basis, it's, it's not as black and white, you know, uh-huh. that would say the difference between a, a medical student and a doctor, um, you know, the medical students looking for the, the black and white of this is how you fix what you're looking at. Whereas, you know, a graduated doctor looks at something and understands kind of the, understands the gray. Sure. Um, then you have, not only do you have um, the, the you know, elderly, the senior, you have the family. And so the family perspective, they're worrying about one thing and the seniors are working, you know, worrying about another. And so, you know, you, you also have conflicting, you know, priorities, I guess you could say. Additional opinion. This, it's, it's, yeah, that outside yeah. opinion. Again, it's more subjectivity coming into play, uh, which is, mm-hmm. you know, going to be affected by everything from, you know, what I read online to what yes. happened on, you know, that TV show I watched to, uh, totally. you know, what are my emotions when I look at it? And it could be the modernization effect too, where if I'm looking at, you know, let's say the assisted is the older structure and the skilled is newer, um, you know, everybody wants to live in the, in, in the shiny new house. So right. 
Exactly. Those are definitely those factors are all going to kind of play in there. But across the board, coming back to the insurance side, I'm sure they're looking at the situation and you know insurance is is a it's the cold blooded business of looking at it and saying, you know, all numbers based. But you, it sounds like based on what you're saying, even if you were that cold hearted person and looking back on it, it actually wouldn't make sense to do what you're saying though, and get better analysis of what's going on. If we could sit there and say, no, look, objectively looking at the activities and what's going on in these people's lives and their health this person would be better taken care of in home care. This person would be better. And if we could yes. do that shuffling of the deck, we'd actually have, you know, better, better cost spread, you know, so, across. Right, exactly. So rather than saying I will pay a hundred dollars a day, um, if you qualify for, you know, such and such. So now it's $3,000 a month. Why not say I'll pay $1,000 a month of your home care. So you need somebody to come in and help you with cleaning and, you know, make your bed into your, I'll get, I'll give you a thought. They just saved themselves $2,000. No, they, you know, people are heading into the skilled because they can get a hundred dollars a day. So now no matter what the insurance company is paying $3,000 a month when they could have gotten away with paying probably less than a thousand dollars a month, probably $500 a month or, you know, $800. Um, especially if, um, and, and I truly am looking at, you know, going back to, you know, by our TLS, I, I truly am looking at, okay, so let's say that um, my loved one has dementia, that's going to be one of the first thing that sends those people out of their home, um, because it's so unpredictable, right? So if you have technology that can help you feel that know and feel secure that your loved one is going to be safe at home, it's a game changer, honestly. They can extend that stay for you know a, quite quite a period of time. Um, the other thing is like just like medications and health conditions; those will send you out of your home um, as well. And generally, functional um, things. So, technology to know and understand um, you know what's happening with them when they're in their home and and for us as a home care service provider making sure that people can get to therapy go you know take them uptown to to therapy make sure they're getting their exercise and they're you know staying healthy and things like that so I just feel like we should be able to do it if we all can put our, our heads together we should be able to give really great quality of life to our seniors for cheaper than what we're doing now, more dignity, um, more choice uh, than than how we're than what we're offering right now. Yeah, and, and you think you nailed it right at the beginning of this conversation when you were talking about there's a big difference of care from person to person, and I think trying to that's what produces a lot of subjectivity in decision making process because. It, you can't just apply a blanket statement to this is how we're going to take care of people because that, that's not what works. But if we can start to gather more information for understanding from that side, um, we can get a better decision of here's how you spread out. Maybe implementation, implementation of technology is one piece of it. And then better services um, as well to make sure that we're taking care of these people. Because we know at the end of the day, everybody wants to stay in their home. That's it's common statistic that's thrown around constantly, you know, all over the senior industry. Um, that, that's a, it's our, all of our easy ones that we go to. Even when I was working with um, PERS buttons in the past, um, those are emergency response buttons people can use at home. 
from that to my R and anything else. But, but like you said, it, it's just, it's figuring all of that out and figuring out how, to, how do we split this up? Because I think that's, we have to admit that is a challenge. I, I don't completely blame the insurance industry because when they are looking at it, getting that information, that understanding of what's going on is not easy. Right. I agree. Completely agree. We have, we hold all of this information about senior care within our organizations. Uh, one of the, one of the most confusing things for people is admission. Like if you haven't had a mother or a father in a nursing home and you haven't gone through that admission process, it is so totally overwhelming. It's like, who are all these people? What are they doing? And what does it mean to me? And you know, when they have to go through that process and it's, it unfortunately is necessary because of regulations and it's healthcare, it, it's very uh, depressing. And, you know, I think it just really changes the way you look because you all of a sudden realize that I have lost complete control of choice. And, and, and as much as our industry is heading toward, you know, um, resident-focused care, uh, person-first, person-focused per, person care, the structure is, it's just, it's broken. It, it's just broken. And, and, you know, these people are moving into, um, like, institutionalized facilities, and they have, you know, a, a 20 by 10, you know, square foot space where that's where everything should be. It's just, it's just dehumanizing. So, so you're right. We need to look at, uh, you know, different. Well, I, I think that's a, just a fantastic point of our conversation. Um, I think this is something that I, I doubt we'll be able to resolve on a, this episode <laughs> of the power of care, but, but I love the conversation so far. I really appreciate you taking the time to walk through this with me. I have learned an immense amount on this call alone. So thank you again for, for going through that with me and, and joining me here today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks. Thank you, Lila. Thank you for listening to the Power of Care podcast. Remember to follow the channel to stay updated on future episodes. And if you want to connect with me directly, feel free to email me at mark.mcgran at viar.com.